Welcome to the Racing with Jason podcast. Jason Carter along with Steve McCullum. Hey. Oh, hey. Hey. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. Are we doing something right now? Uh, talking racing, my man, as uh, we have Kyle Shipley going to be joining us here in just a little bit. But first off, a uh, great weekend of racing. I was at uh, USA Raceway this past weekend. You were down at uh, Canyon Speedway Park filming for the USAC Southwest guys. And I guess you did... Uh, since you were there, decided to uh, do the rest of the races too, man. How was it? I figure since I was there, might as well do it, right? Since you was, yes, it was. It was good. It was a good race, racing night there. Some competitive racing. I'm actually uh, working on a video as we speak to get it up here. I know a lot of the racers uh, were inquiring if I was filming everything since I was up there. I spoke to a lot of them, and it was great to see all those guys. Yeah, so uh, Brody Roa gets the uh, USAC Southwest Series main event win down at Canyon Speedway Park. Uh, of course, that video's already been uploaded on some channels and all that jazz. Uh, John Parmley got the modified main event win down there. Darren Sinner picked up the Sport Mod main. Uh, we'll talk about his son here in a little bit. Uh, Robert Cody got the Sport Compact main event win and Tyler Rodriguez man another one in that dwarf car he's been uh very fast all year long that dwarf he's pretty much dominating at this point on that dwarf circuit so yes absolutely so you know uh, dwarfs were you know same dwarfs you know once you get down uh once you once you pair some of those guys off there at the beginning of the racetrack it opens back up and it becomes an exciting race you just have to the race actually starts you have to get through that (laughs) beginning part there to get through it but i mean uh, a lot of cautions in the um you know, mod lights. I mean, it was a brutal night for those guys out. Uh, not mod lights, excuse me. The uh, sport mods. Sport mods. Uh, it was a brutal night out there for those guys, man. But um, uh, you know, David Jones, friend of the program here. Uh, you know, started in the back, spun out in hot laps or in uh, heat races, and then came back. Ended up finishing second and had a good night there. You know, a lot of attrition in that uh, thing to get him back up there. But uh, hey, you got to get back up there and win it, right? Exactly. Over in uh, Central Arizona Speedway in Casa Grande, Tyler Meckel, another friend of the show, he won in the modified race, actually uh, driving back in his 71 AZ car, I saw. Uh, he was uh, getting that thing booted and suited last week on the uh, old Snapchat. I was kind of keeping up with him a little bit there, but he got the modified win on Saturday night, so that's good to see in his own stuff. Uh, Andy Clower picked up the Sport Mod win. Virgil McArthur with the Pure Stock W. John Lacey, another bomber win. And uh, Cameron LaRose got the power 600 win and dylan shot got the restricted power 600 win so not too sure how the racing went there uh just kind of see what i see there yeah didn't see or hear anything about it (laughs) haven't seen or heard anything um and then over i was down at usa raceway actually this past weekend me and riley went down there to cover that action uh it's pretty good racing man i mean car count kind of suffered i think on the desert sprint car side uh especially with the usac guys running uh down in canyon you know some a lot of time those non-wing guys like to kind of stick together and stuff like that so i think we could probably get a few more cars uh had they not been running against us but uh still some pretty exciting racing uh rick zeal picked up the ASCS Southwest win after uh, going winless last year, man. He now has back-to-back wins uh, for the ASCS Southwest Region Series. Uh, Dustin Cormany, same thing, winless last year. Back-to-back wins as well. Won at Arizona Speedway when the World of Outlaws were here. And then uh, picked it up this one, uh, beating Sean Deskins, who motor gave out on him uh, just past the halfway point. They two were putting on a pretty good little race there, and then I realized it's because Sean's motor was uh, <laughs> was going a little sour there. And then uh, Cody Center, the son to Darren Center, actually uh, won the stock car main event. First time the INCA stock cars have been out on the racetrack. And we had a little bit of an exhibition, I guess. Uh, last <laughs> week we had the Hornet race. Uh, this week we said, hey, Hornets, come out and race. Uh, did lose some to Tucson uh, to the asphalt track out there but uh tim olds came out and put on a pretty good little exhibition there for the dirt trackers 
I want to say I was wrong on the uh, payout. Uh, <laughs> yeah, correct this now. I because uh, <laughs> I was ready to go buy a I was ready to go buy a Hornet, and I was ready to I was ready to cruise down to Tucson every weekend. So uh, <laughs> I I thought I heard that payout for this Hornet class, which is going to be on every USA race uh, raceway program that we have moving forward. Uh, I thought I heard somebody say five hundred. I think Kieran said, "Hey, Joan wants to make sure you announce these guys. You know, five hundred dollars every week." So I was like, all right, cool. So I announced it, right? So you just threw somebody else under the bus on top of it? Well, no. So <laughs> congratulations. So, so I don't have a radio. And, you know, Kara's trying to tell me something, which I already said, hey, guys, this is an you know, affordable way to get into racing and all this stuff. Joan actually got mad at me for this. So, hey, guys, this is an affordable way to get into racing, yada, yada, yada. And then I just, like, played music because we got one car out there, like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to call the one car going out there. Oh, he's making a left turn. You know, I've already said my spiel before we went out there. Like, hey, enjoy this exhibition. Played some pump up, hype music, whatever. And then Kieran's all like, hey, man, Jonah wants to make sure you. I was like, and he like was kind of reading the stats. So I grabbed his radio. I was like, are you taken care of, bro? Gotcha. And, you know, I threw in something else in there, too. And <laughs> Jonah comes around. He's like, what the heck? I was like, yeah, man, I already got that taken care of. So we go down for that main event deal, little gave him 15 laps. So I'm out there on the track like, yeah, guys, $500, you know, every weekend we're giving it away. (laughs) But I guess uh, he meant for me to say $500 to get started, which I still think is a bit of a stretch because it would cost a lot more for a car, right? Like, is that with car in hand? I, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but I'm curious. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> why don't we get the answer to that? Because I'm I'm curious. I I wouldn't. I would go run a Hornet. Let's. I mean, like Tim said, and, get a Hornet uh, going. I mean, it, when I talked to Tim, like, hey, tell us about this class, yada yada yada. He was like, oh yeah, and you know, pretty uh, affordable way to get in racing. Just need a car, you know, a four banger. Take the windows out, put a roll bar in it. Which I think you know, buying the car more than five hundred dollars. Like you're not gonna find a car that actually runs for five hundred, at least runs decent enough to go right a compact car no less yeah what they need to do is have these sport compacts come down and run that canyon has aren't they like the same thing yeah that that's actually what i was going to bring up was i don't know the difference between is the hornet class just because it's based out of tucson is that just what they went with they called it hornets um but i mean they look very similar cars were similar they sounded the same they ran the same you know, there was like six cars there, so I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, but, I think they're all I mean, like little four bangers, the, right? The Hornets are established down in Tucson. It just they went to the pavement where out when there was no dirt racing down there, yeah. so that's where a lot of them are. And which I know it's going to take a while to rebuild that because I mean, how often has this track been open and been shut down? You know. Yeah. But now we're in a, a new regime. Somebody who actually cares about it, and Jonah. And somebody that wants to put on, you know, great racing weekly and everything like that. So, I mean, watching the video and the videos are up on that heat and uh, main. Um, I mean, watching the videos is somebody that wasn't there. I had, a, I had a personal matter up here in Phoenix. I couldn't get down there so before. I, and then that's why I ended up going to Peoria. But um, I, it was exciting racing watching it. There's nothing unexciting about it down there. I mean, it was a great time. And, um, you know, the. <laughs> even watching the one Hornet drive around was kind of fun because he, he went up on the edge and it, yeah he did put a know. little show you know he's rooster and the camera guys over there was he doing that on purpose oh I think like, so I think he was just like I'm just gonna you know put on the show here he, he was going over the edge you know of that mini side then he went uh, all rights the next time just kind of yeah he went the other it, way which yeah. I thought was fitting with Talladega 
being this past weekend, you know, Tony Stewart, that was kind of what he said they should have done on the NASCAR side is if they haven't matched the uh, the wreck quota and more cars are in the race, just turn them around. Go right. Flip them around. They should flip them around in the middle of the race. Yeah, that's what he was saying. Flip them around, but you have the other cars go the right way too. So that would just match the quota that NASCAR needed for cautions. Yeah. Oh, at I those see what pl- at those tracks. It was a uh, a little tongue in cheek interview yes, that Tony Tony yes, had a few uh years but, ago. But incidentally, uh since we, we had a delay in posting some of the USA Raceway stuff because we didn't have logos and everything that we were working on, but we've got them all done. But incidentally, because uh Tim was the only one on Saturday night down there running. Um, we didn't get April 20th. We had nobody down there filming because we had the um, track up here at Arizona Speedway going. And But we did get the 19th, the first time the Hornets hit that dirt track. And that is actually being posted, being uploaded as we speak. So, and there's seven cars that start that main. So if you want to see what the Hornets are without, you know, the expedition, uh, the ex. Ambition. It's fun to watch. You're right. It is all just music, and then the end. You you talk for like three minutes and explain it for the for the what I call the heat flash exhibition. Right. Um, but yeah, if you want to actually see these guys race, that video is going to be up here shortly, and I'll be posting it. Um, and you can see, man, it, it it's a fun. Like I keep telling you, everybody, it's a fun race to watch. Like I had so much fun watching it on that monster truck night. Uh, these guys going and banging into each other and, and all that stuff. So definitely check it out if you want to see these guys race. And like you said, I mean, it's you know we got some, we need. Some some clarification on that but we get so the, we it's get not 500 dollars these winners are getting every night yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's the clarification <laughs> we do know that's what we do know so i don't know how much it costs i don't know if you can just craigslist a hornet or whatnot but well what's tim driving i, don't know. I, I saw you asked him you're like is this a it's like a, is a toyota yeah it looks like an old toyota <laughs> or something like that answered it. I, yeah. I don't know what he, just, said. he said just compact cars so. yeah so um but no i mean because i told you Which, I those like, things are going by the wayside now yeah you can't, you can't mean, go find a new compact car anywhere yeah i told you i was like Shh, i'll go race a hornet when you know filming and working there i'll run down and race you know race a heat lap and go around like yeah get an old chevy lumina uh do also want to mention or not lumina what's that what's the old chevy yes. was that lumina no. Like the uh, the young, oh, Cavalier. Oh, Cavalier. Chevy Cavalier. Yeah, Cobalt if you want to get on the newer side there. <laughs> uh, but I do also want to mention, uh, this six-pack deal kind of took off. Oh, here comes the uh, pat- patting yourself on the back? No, like I was kind of shocked actually because, I mean, so last week, the yeah, Leland McSpadden. The background, yeah. So last week was the Leland McSpadden Classic, and they were raising a lot of money um, for Leland and all that stuff. It's like, oh, you know what? Hey. You know, here's a hundred bucks, put it wherever. You know, I didn't have a give it to the winner of qualifying, give it to heat race winner one, whatever. So he just kind of threw it on the list. The list comes out uh, last Saturday. Like, here's where all the money that was raised is getting, you know, allocated to. And I got sixth place. So sixth place is getting extra hundred bucks for me, which Leland handed out all the money after the race down the pits. Uh, personally, you know, all the bonus money. So I saw that and I was like, hey, you know what? I'll throw down a six pack of beer too with it, you know, because fishing six is kind of rough. You go know, dirt track, like it's not where you want to finish, you know, sixth place, that sucks. You know, it's at the top five, you want to run top five. Don't get drunk. So I was like, hey, you know, throw down a six pack too. So uh, Brody, Ro- Brody Roa finished uh, six last week at Arizona Speedway. And I just, you know, came with a six pack of beer for him. And he was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I was like, hm, all right, cool. You know, he likes it, whatever. So yeah, I posted a picture on social media. A lot of people were liking it, what whatnot. But even like before that race, Matt Rossi was like, "Oh man, I saw that you're giving a six pack of beer away. That's awesome." I was like, "All right, you know, like not really thinking about it." And then last week, uh, a couple other guys, uh, Ron Gilson and Mark Clark, were like, "Hey, we want to throw up some extra money for the heat races for these guys." And uh, Gary Burt, my uh, comrade, 
at Arizona Speedway was all like, hey, man, I like Jason's six-pack idea. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll do it again this week. So I went out to uh, West Walford for the um, ASCS Southwest wing sprint cars, got the six-pack, and Ryan Murphy got the six-pack for the non-wing sprint car guys. Uh when I was walking back to the pits, uh, one of the camera guys, Ben Thrasher, was like, sixer for six? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, let me go take pictures of, of you real quick. Give it to him. I was like, all right. So I guess Which, it's kind of here to stay. And it was funny because one of the drivers, I don't remember who, was frowning when he like had it, you know, when you were standing there with him. It was kinda, yeah. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Wes Walford was like, ah, oh, you yeah. know. It was kind of funny. Like fishing six sucks, six. but yeah. here, here's a cold beer, you know? Yeah. Here's a six pack. He's like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like it. He actually gave me a... Uh, I gave him Coors Light. I don't know. I just went to the gas station. He actually gave me Bud Light because uh, he, had, he had cold ones. Those were kind of warm. How hard up are these drivers <laughs> that they get excited about a free six pack for, I don't know. I mean, hey, when you finish six, it sucks, but goes tastes a little bit better with a six pack of beer, right? Does it? All right. I'll take your word on that. Well, I know Kyle Shipley. When he I've fin- never finished six, so I don't know. Well, if Kyle F- Shipley <laughs> finishes six, he's going to be excited about the six pack of beer. And he's our guest on the Race with Jason podcast coming up next. Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Look no further than GestaltProduction.com. All you got to do is visit the website, click the podcast tab, and find one that fits you. Gestalt Production is also looking to help those who want their voice heard. Email them at info at GestaltProduction.com to find out more. Hey, guys, what's happening? <laughs> hey, Kyle, what's going on, brother? Oh, uh, man, I just got home from work. Work? So what is your daily? We were kind of trying to figure it out, what you had going on as a day job. My- my daily, I, so I'm a superintendent for one of the larger home builders here in Phoenix. Um, so pretty much I build houses. Nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's the biggest house you've built? Oh, uh, it's probably like 2,900 square feet. Nothing dramatic. It's nothing custom or anything. It's just kind of. One of those like HOA type builds where every uh, house yeah. looks the same. Yeah, yeah, like yeah pretty much. Place. Pretty much. That's exactly what they are. Nice. Build nice. them, put them in the ground. Build them as fast as you can. The um, so I I come from that industry from a different perspective. So, what? You must be one of the trades. Uh, I worked. Well, I'll just say, Micah, I worked for Sherman Williams for about twenty years. So. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so we use on. Sherman Williams paint yeah. on our houses. So um, you know, I know I know what you deal with with vendors is what I was going to get to there. So what's more pain in the butt without getting yourself in trouble here? What's more <laughs> What's more pain in the butt? The homeowners like in the one year warranty situation or the vendors who are always. <laughs> doing what vendors do to, to make to do as little as possible and make and make as much money as possible uh i would have to say i deal with the homeowners more than like say a vendor but i deal with the trades a ton um most homeowners are pretty cool but there's some people out there that you just can't satisfy and you know you just yeah you know you you take your ass to and you just whether you're right or wrong it doesn't matter you just kind of take it what it is what it is for yeah, the homeowners that- but I, I can always take it out on either the trades or vendors, what have you. <laughs> right. <laughs> or you can take it out on the racers on the racetrack, right? Yeah. Or I can take it out on the racers on the racetrack. So uh, <clears throat> go ahead. Another uh, second place around this week. Um, your brother. I'm always the bridesmaid. I'm tired of being the bridesmaid. <laughs> I shouldn't say I'm always the bridesmaid, but well, Dustin, I'm the bridesmaid more than I am first. And Well, Dustin needs home. these wins, man. He has diapers he's got to buy, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, well, his whole team needs those wins because he's been, they've been trying so hard lately. I mean, 
they they're definitely deserving. They definitely deserve those wins. Yeah, last year was kind of weird, you know, not seeing him up front and you know kind of running mid pack with you guys. And then this year, I mean, he's kind of missed a few races there to get stuff dialed in. But I mean, heck, he's picked up the last two wins. I mean, definitely beating you is no easy feat in that division uh, by no means. But uh, came out the bridesmaid again this weekend. Uh, your brother Josh uh, on the front stretch. I don't know how much you never you heard. You were kind of mad and frustrated that you finished second but uh josh was kind of calling you out man saying you didn't uh thought you were gonna rip the lip said you were kind of scared you know i caught part of his interview <laughs> um on your guys's video but i wasn't i wasn't scared I, I wanted i wanted to go up there i just didn't think there was anything up there and i mean i i tried it more or less at the, at the earlier stages of the race but had a, I, I probably should have paid a little bit more attention at the top in one and two, but I wasn't slipping any tires on the bottom and I was slipping tires right. getting, in, getting into one. So I just felt like if I'm not slipping my tires, why, why would I change? And I knew that we were better than Cormany in one and two, not by a lot, but he was better than me in three and four and three and four was, that was the weirdest line I've ever, uh, that was weird to enter on the bottom and then slide up to the top and then hit the cushion. But there was nothing on entry getting into three. There was, right. it was all marbles. Yeah, so I mean, you're all doing it. Ground. Yeah, it looked like everybody was kind of doing that uh, same kind of line that you're talking about there. Everybody diving it in deep into turn three on the inside and then just kind of swooping off a turn four. So it was very, you know, weird having two distinct lines. And uh, was that your first time ever to race out there, a USA race on the big track? No, that was my second time there at the, on the big track. Well, I, I raced the mini sprint there a lot of times on the big track, and that was that's insane to race the mini sprint on that big old huge track. I mean, it, it's almost like how I picture racing Daytona and NASCAR, where you're just like flat footed and you're just it, it doesn't even feel like you're going fast. But then you go watch another heat race or something, and you're like, wow, those mini sprints are hauling. But that was my second time in the sprint car on the on the big track. Um, last time I was there, I melted a motor down. But it it was, you know, I was kind of complaining about the about the track surface because I wanted I wanted some to race on, which we did in one and two. And I know Jonah's trying. It's that track hasn't been raced on in what two years. And I mean, I think it had a spurt for like two races two years ago. Is all it had. So it's probably been really. I could be wrong. We're probably four or five years since that track's really been raced on. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about we were talking about earlier on in our first segment about how many races, you know. At first, it was kind of like a, you know, they went dormant there for a while. Then uh, it got taken over, and it was like, all right, we're going to do some big races here. So I know they had some late model races out there. Uh, and then, like, the Copper on Dirt was out there one year along with the Western World. But that was about it. I think we had a USAC Southwest race as well that year. And then, yeah, like you said, two years ago, they had kind of like a, I think, I think it was just one race, kind of did the day show out there, which doesn't really let you know what the surface yeah. is going to do by no means. Right. So. Well, and and I know that you know everybody complained about the the outlaw show there, which was the last race there that the track was too heavy. So, I mean, it's it's not an easy task to find that perfect racing surface, if you will. I mean, it's it's got to be hard because I'm sure Jonah didn't want it to be too heavy, and then everybody complained. Well, it was a one a one groove racetrack, you know, we couldn't pass. But then, on the other hand, you know, there's I guess it. The, the track just needs to be raced on. That's all it needs. And right. so we we put in our time. So maybe some other classes can go race on it. And that dirt, that dirt just needs to get work. You know, it just needs oh to definitely be, needs work. That's all. It's it's just going to take time. And that's what a racetrack takes. Just some fresh powder. Hey, when you 
when you race on a bigger track like that, um, I mean, doesn't it, does it normally get a two distinct? Because I noticed that watching the video and not being there live, as I noticed there was two distinct, you know, on deep, both ends of the tracks. And normally, like at Arizona Speedway or even Canyon, you know, the track sets up the same in both corners usually. You know, it's either high or low or whatnot. So on these bigger tracks, is it does it normally set up like that? Or is it just, was it just like you're saying, it just the way it was set up and it just needs to be raced on more? Yeah, it was, it was just the night. That's just all it was to it. And no, most, most tracks are usually, you know, top or bottom on both ends. Um, which I think is kind of cool when there's a, when you run the top in one end and then the bottom on the other end, cause you kind of get, you get both flavors, you know? Um, and I think it's just as tough to race the bottom as it is the top. Um, I know lately I've been kind of a bottom feeder and, that's not really a reputation I want because I enjoy running the top a whole lot more. I like, I want to go fast. I want to, I want to be on the edge, you know, but for some reason the fast way has just kind of been around the bottom and I don't, maybe that's why I stuck to the bottom this weekend just because I've, I've had a lot of success on the bottom. And, um, but yeah, to answer your question, it usually, it, usually the track sets up the same on each, on each corner, you know, one, one corner of the line might be a little bit higher than the other closer to the fence over here than well, that's just there as a fence. Um, but there will be, you know, it, it's usually the same in, in each corner. But that's that's also a distinct track because that track's almost D-shaped. Right. The front straightaway is straight, and the back stretch almost has like a like a D to it. So, in fact, I think it was probably like lap three or four, I started diamonding the corner. So I was entering turn one up high, and then I'd exit turn two low. And I had to have the car pitched on on exit otherwise it would drive straight up the track and i uh i didn't have the car pitched quite enough and i didn't realize i needed to have it so pitched i was gonna try to take like a like a higher approach into turn three and all the way down the back stretch but before i knew it i didn't have any grip out of the front tires had no grip the rear the rear tires had no grip and i thought i was gonna wind up like like that one guy that whacked the fence on the back stretch because i the car wasn't slowing down i was going straight toward the fence so i was like oh boy i need to make sure the car is almost almost set like sliding coming out of the corner rather than being straight yeah i kind of like how you brought up the fact that it's more d-shaped on the back because uh ronald webster was the guy who you know slapped the ball right there i was wondering if that kind of came into play with that because I, I mean it was a product of his crash he was coming down the track when he couldn't steer yeah. and i was like i didn't know what was gonna happen i was i was in the infield avoiding him but we saw that with him and also in the stock car man a car just hit the wall like kind of looked uh unorthodox you know just kind of going in a straight line then smack just hit the wall so i was kind of wondering if that uh, d-shape might have played into that yo i'm i'm sure it did i mean i i almost did exactly what ronald webster did i it, that wall comes up really really quick i mean i i did not think i was going to be that close to the wall i i mean i wound up pinning it pinning the gas just to get away from the wall but that right rear was it couldn't have been with a couple inches off the fence hey, so wait. yeah it was oh. It was definitely a, a tricky track, and I, Dustin even said it. Me and him both wouldn't have ran the line in three and four like we did if it weren't for Sean showing us the groove. Sean, right? I think I think Sean kind of Sean threw a haymaker to pass. I think he passed two cars at once when he got by yeah. Dustin. Maybe it was just Dustin, but yeah, he did pass two, two, yeah. two and one there. Okay, that's what I thought. So, so yeah, I, I know he threw a haymaker. He he drove he drove it in deep on the bottom, getting into three. And then slid up to the cushion off the four, and I think Dustin was expecting to get a whole lot better run off the corner. And 
I think me and him both were like, okay, I guess that's the groove. And I think Sean, Sean figured it out just on mistake like that as well. So um, when you you said you were watching the video, and I know you're at work, so you might not have got it all, but if you watch a video after a race like that, does it kind of reinforce what you thought when you were in the car? Because you're, you're generally going off a of feel inside the car or what you see, and then you watch something like the, the race after. Does it reinforce what you saw, or does it sometimes uh, you realize where a mistake was made or something like that? How does the video work? The, the video is awesome. I use video as a tool, just like the NFL players use, use video as a tool. Um, the, the main, what I was looking for in the video is everybody was telling me how my brother was ripping the lip and how much faster he was than, than me and Dustin. And I didn't think it was true. And I mean, maybe, maybe everybody else dramatized it or I kind of saw what was happening, but I think I would have been a little bit faster had I went to the top and one and two. And I don't know, maybe even three and four, but I still, it was nothing but marbles on entry getting into three. So, um, the main reason why what I what I was looking for in that video was to see what exactly my brother was doing. Which I don't know if my brother would have went to the top had he not spun out, but he was forced to go to the top and he was forced to do something something off the wall, you know, something something extreme. Which I guess it really wasn't all that extreme at the end of the race because there was a cushion getting into one and two. But um, had I gone to the top in one and two on maybe say that last restart when I was green white checkered. I don't know if I would have had anything for Dustin because my motor stumbled harder than it's ever stumbled on the start. So he got a really good start on me. And, and I think I would have been a little bit faster if I would have went to the top in one and two after watching the film. But I don't know if we would have had anything for him. Not, not on a green white checkered. Maybe if I would have, I don't know, maybe if there was five to go and I went up there and, and I was kind of on his tail, I, I would have had to time it perfect just to, to scoot by him. But um, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to see was how how good the top was. So yeah, no video is video is huge to me. I when we don't get video, I'm I'm pretty bummed out because I feel like I feel like I've lost a tool that week. I use video as a tool big time. Well, definitely want to thank you for watching the videos. Uh, Gestalt Production, uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube page. You can also check out gestaltproduction.com as I'm getting the website updated right now. Currently, as we speak, uh, they'll be up with uh, all the videos and everything from USA Raceway and Arizona Speedway and also getting the uh, Canyon Speedway videos for the first time. will be up there as well from this past weekend. Um, thanks for the plug there, Kyle. <laughs> but uh, That's pretty cool how you guys got a twofer. Yeah, you guys got Canyon and you got USA. Yeah, well, we're still working on the entire Canyon thing. We're more so down there for the uh, the USAC yeah. Southwest guys. Uh, worked out deal with them, but uh, figured we uh, you know would do the whole races. That would kind of show them what we're all about. And you know, all the drivers are pretty excited to see Steve up there uh, filming. They're like, "Hey, you doing our races too?" So uh, it's definitely a, a tool, like you said. Like all the drivers seem to pretty much uh, like. So uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Oh, I, I, I love video. Video is yeah. awesome. That's what. Yeah, that's thank what, you guys for doing it. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. Not not to toot our not to toot my own horn or nothing. But uh, I mean, even oh, at, go ahead, toot even, it. even at Canyon, man, it, it's great because you know I, I'm kind of quiet at the racetrack. I keep to myself. A lot of people know me, but Jason will say my name. And they'll be like, "Who's that?" And he'll have to explain it to him. <laughs> and they'll be like, but, "Oh yeah, uh, that guy." Yeah, but even at Canyon, right. man, people were coming up to me asking if I got all the other races, not just the USAC one and everything. So no, it's definitely that's kind of why I asked that question. Is it's the drivers definitely like seeing the seeing themselves and, and look at the footage later and especially on a win but even the guys that don't win they like to see you know uh you know the, what they see on there so i appreciate you saying that as yeah well. like me i was the guy that didn't win 
and I want someone to see the video. <laughs> yeah. So this season, I mean, last season you had uh, three wins, uh, came home only third in points last year. Uh, so far this season, out of the five races, ran four top tens, three top fives, one win. Um, you know, looking ahead to uh, the rest of the year here, man, we're starting to get into the, I guess, the nitty gritty for the Santan Ford Desert Sprint Car Series. Uh, what are kind of your goals uh, just to keep piling up those wins and uh, get into a uh, insurmountable points lead? Because right now you're the points leader. Uh, has it, it has been updated. <laughs> you have right. uh, 19 points that. on uh, on Dennis Guy. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, yeah, I don't really like the points race. I'm, I've never really been into that because I feel like it kind of changes you as a driver. But when you're in the points lead, it's kind of hard not to points race. Right. Um, like in the heat race, there was a couple times I could have I could have thrown a haymaker at Sean, but I'm like, nah. You know, we're in the points lead. I don't need to tear up a rear end. I don't have a spare rear end. I don't need to tear anything up. Let's just play it cool. We got 25, 20 laps in the main event. Let me just play it cool, you know. Um, and then in the main event, you know, when it was green-white checkered, I'm thinking, well, we're sitting in second place. Um, I figured my brother was behind us, and here we are. It's going to be a solid points night. Let's just, let's just play it cool. And in a sense, I was thinking that, you know, I – it's still I don't want to say it gets into your head but in a, it it doesn't let you drive to your full potential you're more or less thinking about points when you're in the points right. lead of course you're gonna you're gonna chase points you're a fool if you don't um but so yeah I, I guess at the end of the at the end of the day my my goal is to win that championship I mean but I guess that's kind of everybody's goal um my I I'm all about winning races races is Races, winning, winning races is what I want to do. And you pointed out that I had three three race wins last year, and they all seem to come at the end of the year. The yeah. past two years, I've got I've become on fire at the end of the season. So for me to pick up a win already this year is pretty big. Um, kind of build some momentum, if you will. So maybe I can just start clicking them off here toward the – well, I mean, not that we're close to the end of the season, but we're kind of getting into the middle of it, so – I mean, shoot, it feels like we've been racing all year because we started February 2nd or 3rd. Yeah, it started pretty early there with a the yeah. February race and then kind of took a month off to uh, regroup, I guess. And as a driver, how does that like sit on you? We see the schedule, you're like, all right, cool. First race is really early and then you get like a month off. Does that like suck? Because I would imagine it just sucks kind of waiting at home and uh, twirling your thumbs. Uh, it's a little bit of give and take because when you're a low-budget operation like me, I mean, a lot of people don't think I'm a low-budget operation because my car looks so nice, but if they knew what was under the hood and, and what I do to make it to the races, I mean, missing house payments and having my mom pay my cell phone bill and that kind of stuff, uh, they would understand. But So the time off, it sucks because I want to race, but it does help out financially. Um, luckily, I've got a lot of, a lot of great supporters but um, I guess it doesn't really get in my head. Um, me and Tanner Grau, we plan on doing some USAC racing this year. Um, we were planning on like six to eight shows. I don't know how many we'll do here um, in the 34 car. So that it is nice to race every weekend because mentally you stay there. Um, I mean, even if you go race a go-kart, I mean, it's not as, as healthy as racing a sprint car every weekend, but even just racing a go-kart or whatever it might be, it just, I feel like mentally it keeps your head there. Um, so yeah, taking a month off it, it kind of sucks, but also, I mean, it's starting to get hot out here. So, I mean, 
wants to be out in the garage. I, I won't come out in the garage if I don't have a cooler. Last right. year, my my cooler took a dump, so I went and bought a brand new one. And, like a cooler uh, fan or a cooler of beer? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have both. You got to have both. Not much is going to get done if there's not a cooler of beer. So, so um, last year, we kind of did a video. Well, we started a video series. We actually had you first, and we didn't really like it. So we're not one of those to be like, oh, this is going to be cool. We thought it sucked, so we didn't post it. But we oh, talked well, a little you. bit. <laughs> it, it wasn't your fault. Yeah, it was it just you. <laughs> it, it was just you know we we did we filmed a few of them. We were like, man, I don't know. This it isn't really the direction true. we want to go with. Uh, so yeah, we kind of scrapped that idea. Um, but last year during that video series, we did talk a little bit about uh, you and your brother racing and getting into each other. And you had a story. I don't know if you remember the story or not, but uh, I know a lot of people out there want to know. Like, do you race your brother any differently, or is he just another competitor? Uh, do I race my brother any differently? Probably not. Um, no, I would, I'd have to answer that. No. And that's kind of a tough question. Uh, I know the struggles that he goes through every week to make it out there just as I do. Um, he's got a little bit better paying day job than I do. So, I mean, maybe, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> Hey, well, so if he wears out a, a right rear or something or tacos, a right rear wheel or left rear wheel or kick out or whatever it might be, then I mean, he can afford it. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> no, I don't think I raced him any differently. <clears throat> I mean, I, and I think we've proved that on the track. We've we've swapped swapped positions numerous times, and um, I think it was a year or two ago at Canyon. We both started on the front row, and uh, that that was pretty. That was it. Was just kind of cool that we both started on the front row. Um, we have this. We have this deal. If we finish one two, it doesn't matter who comes in first or second. Um, can we go to Hooters for lunch? on Sunday. So, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I get work a lot for it to be acceptable too. Um, but I don't necessarily race him differently. I mean, if, if he's holding me up or he's in the way and I got to pass him and, um, and, or if I, you know, if I got to throw a dirty slider around him, so be it. That's right. But I think he feels the same way, but I think we race each other with the same level of respect, which is a very high level of respect. But, um, no, I don't think I race him any differently. I, I don't, you know, race him the same way I race Zach Madrid or Dustin Cormany or whoever it might be. Because, I mean, if, if, as far as the term racing different, um, I feel like that's kind of an aggressive term. Um, I'm, I mean, I know I'm, I kind of have a rap for being aggressive, but I do know when I can take a chance on on balling up a car and. Um, I'm not going to take those risks. So, so, especially with my brother, I guess. Right. So when you get to Hooters or, you know, or just a Sunday dinner or whatnot, <laughs> um, you guys are both very competitive. You could see it in your post-race interviews. You know, you guys were separate and you could definitely see, you know, your reaction to finishing second and then his reaction to not catching you type of a deal. So what, what's, uh, what's a typical, uh, family get together like? <laughs> Um, it's pretty much race talk. That's about what it is. I mean, uh, we, I mean, him both eat, live, breathe the whole sport. I mean, it's, I can't get enough of sprint car racing. I could care less about NASCAR. Right. Um, sprint car, Bob Ream Jr. told me one time, one told me something one time that really set in and Bob Ream Jr. said, there is nothing cooler in this world than sprint car racing. And I know it's a very, very simple, but. There's something about that that just set home, and maybe it's the way he said it, but 
Um, he has a way with words. Oh, he's got a way with everything. Like his that stories, I can listen smooth. to. I can listen to him talk for hours. Bob Ring Jr. It, it, there's there's nobody cooler than him, except for Sprint Car Racing. But no, he's he's really like the. Yeah, you're right. He's got a way with words. He's just there. He's just so cool. He's just so chill. Would be the word to use for him. Right. It does not get any more chill than Bob Ring Jr. He's he is the he is the Arizona People's Champ. Oh, totally. Every, nobody dislikes Bobby. Everybody is a Bob Ream Jr. Yeah, we've been trying to get him on the show here for the last little bit, but it's like, I don't know if we have enough time to get him on the show and, like, get everything in that we want to talk about because, like, just the way he is with words, he's well, so good, a, so a smooth. That's like segment deal. I know. That's going to be, like, a, a whole month of August or something like that. <laughs> we got to get him on. We have to do chapters. <laughs> yeah. Chapter well, one. Know, he, he does change his colors. I think it's the month of October to pink for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Right. So maybe you could dedicate all of November to him. Or October. Or October. Yeah, whatever month it is. What, whatever month they do that stuff. Where everybody yeah, gets whatever month he changes his numbers. <laughs> no, but, but that, no, Bobby's awesome. But that did kind of shoot into our uh, one of our Facebook fan questions. Jay Irvin had a uh, question. I uh, was wanting to know oh, if it gosh, came down. I haven't seen what his question was. I'm excited to hear what it is. All right, yeah, so we have a few here uh, on the uh, Racing with Jason podcast page. Make sure you like it by searching Racing with Jason podcast. Um, but he says, you know, got a question. Uh, if it comes down to the last race of the year and it's you and your brother won two in points, are you going to put a huge slider, whether it be clean or dirty, on your brother to win the championship? One word, absolutely. Yeah, he, he said he thinks he knows the answer with a little <laughs> LOL. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's an easy one. I I'm there to win. I mean, I don't. I don't come there to come. I don't go to the racetrack to come in second place. I'm there to win, especially if it's if we're one and two and one two in points. I'm going for it. Sorry, pal. I'm going for it. But I think he'd do the same. Oh yeah. And I'd be expecting it. So. Oh, definitely. And then we also had another one from uh, Julie Hessel. Of course, the Hessels came out and raced uh, the last part of the season last year. Uh, yeah, they're they, a lot of fun. I think they plan on coming back out this year and uh, running with you guys. But uh, They told me they plan on moving to Arizona within the next year or two. Man, that'd be awesome right there. Love those guys. They're a lot cool. of fun to uh, see you guys mixing up with. Uh, when you and Jake were out there running last year, it was, it was a lot of fun calling those races. But uh, she yeah, says, he's fast. She says, Kyle Shipley is really cool. So uh, there you go. Cheap little plug for your cool. ego right there. Pick up the slam. Right. And then she goes, uh, <laughs> she wants to know if you are super competitive at any other sports. Or any sports like growing up? I mean, obviously, you weren't racing sprint cars at the age of five. You know, we played baseball or anything like that? Well, you know, my brother was the baseball. He was the baseball nut. Um, my brother was a short, scrawny little kid, and he was always the the catcher, which was kind of weird. But um, Well, he has the catcher body now. <laughs> uh, he's got the catcher body now. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to catch up to him. So um, am I super competitive in any other sports? As of now, no. But growing up, I was I was I was MVP of the basketball team in eighth grade. Um, I don't usually tell everybody this, but we didn't win one game that whole year. But I was MVP, so I mean, I guess you could say I was best in the school. There you go. Um, I played. I was. I'd say football was my number one sport besides racing, um, and I played a lot of Pop Warner growing up. Um, what position? Well, for a little while I was tight end, but then I got a little chunky, and then they put me over to a to a blocker, so I became a lineman. <laughs> um, but I was always like the taller, 
the taller kid on the team too. Like I was always one of the bigger kids. Um, so I was gonna, my dad was really tough on me. And I think anybody who knows me or knows my family, they know my dad was like, there's not very many more dads that are tough on their kids than what my dad was on me. And, um, going into my freshman year of high school, we were racing mini sprints and I, um, I took my brother's bicycle out. We were big into, into jumping bicycles. So I guess that's a sport. I love, I love doing dirt jumping and stuff. Like I love building the jumps. I love right. jumping. So I decided I was going to take my brother's bike out cause he had a little bit nicer bike than me. And, um, the skaters messed up our jump, man. Stupid skaters. Oh, stupid skaters. So I, um, I fixed the jump and it was even bigger and badder than ever. And, I jumped the jump the first go around. I'm all by myself, and I broke my collarbone. I broke my my wrist and my collarbone. And I rode my bike all the way home, and I'm freaking hurting, man. I'm really hurting. And I call my mom. She takes me to the emergency room. We do that whole deal, and she drops me back off at my dad's house. And I walk through the front door, and my dad says, "You're a dumbass." <laughs> Gotta love the fatherly so, advice. Oh, it was that was true fatherly love. Um. And he said, well, you know, you don't get to race for at least six more weeks now, right? And that's what really hit home. I was I was pissed off about that. So um, I didn't get to race for six weeks, and I was kind of bummed out about that. But I was going to, like I said, I was going into my freshman year of high school, and I was going to go to football tryouts. And my dad, we, we live like five miles away from the, from the school, and my dad was like, well, you know I'm not coming to get you after practice, right? or after tryouts, whatever, and I, well, at all. He was never going to come get me, he said. He's like, you can ride your bike, whatever you want to do, but that's up to you. And he said, what good are you going to be with a broken wrist and broken collarbone on a, on a team? So I think my very first day of high school, all I thought about was, okay, I think I need to make a decision. Is it racing or is it football? I mean, I'm going to have to get a job if I want to have a car or anything going on in high school, so... That whole day, um, I did not. I, I went. I just thought about: Am I going to go to? Am I going to go to tryouts or not? So I decided not to. Mainly, it was mainly the five mile walk that I was going to have to take, not because I had a broken collarbone, but that was kind of the day that I kind of gave up other sports. I guess you could say. So one thing I always like to find out with you know racers and everything: What got you like into racing? Was it a family deal for y'all, or was it something like you and your brother thought was cool? You like went out to Manzi one night. It was like, oh man, this is awesome. Like, let's get into this. Or like, did your dad race um, or anything? Well, no, my dad didn't really race. I mean, he was into like the hot rod, not really like, I guess, kind of sort of drag race scene, like in the seventies and all that stuff. Right. You know, the muscle cars. Um, one of his really good friends, he was driving through South Mountain. And he saw quarter midgets there. And I don't even think I was born yet. If I was born, I was just an infant. Uh, he he told my dad, hey, you need to go with me over to South Mountain and check out these little cars that these kids are racing. Um, so a week or two later, my dad went and he bought a car. Before they left, he bought a car that was for sale. And I went to my brother. Um, I didn't even know what racing was because, like I said, I was just a little infant. Right. And I don't know, I guess that next weekend, Josh was in the race car and 
when I became of age, I, I was four years old. You had to be four years old to start racing quarter midgets. Gotcha. And I turned four and I got to race like a race or two. And then they changed the rules that you had to be five. So I'd take the rest of the season off. Oh. And like grandfather me in or nothing. That sucks. Yeah. So, um, I mean, my dad went to Manzanita. In fact, my parents' first date was at Manzanita. They would go there and watch the late models. Um, so they've always, they've all, we've always been a racing family, but it wasn't just something that me and my brother thought was cool and we wanted to get into it. It was more, for me, it was more or less just inherited. And I wound up with a huge passion and love for it. Hey, so, and, um, I, um, well, last one for me here real quick. Um, so jumping ahead again here, uh, when you're on the racetrack and there's a yellow or a red flag, what is, says I do have GoPro footage of you on a red flag and it's the most okay. comical thing I've ever seen, by the way, you, you, you talking to another driver, um, that we will need to discuss what we need to do with that here, uh, later on. But, um, um, so what is your thought process, uh, during a red flag or even a yellow, whether you're in the front or the back, does it change, uh, just going into the, the other, uh, rest of the race? Nine times out of 10, I'm looking at the track, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do on the start. Well, just depending on where I'm at, if I'm in the lead, running third, second, if I'm at the tail, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes I let that I let out that emotion that I can't let out while I'm racing. Or uh, on GoPros. Or on <laughs> GoPros. Um, I'm lucky that the GoPro survived. But more or less, I'm I'm planning out what's going to happen. It's it's like sitting in staging. When I'm sitting in staging before a heat race or a main event, I'm thinking, okay, who's in front of me? Is this guy going to go high? Is he going to go low? Is he going to try something different? Am I going to do the opposite of what he does? Um, that's kind of what's going through my mind. I'm, I'm planning out what's what's going to what's gonna happen when that green flag drops. That's kind of where I'm at. I, it's, well, it's a, racing is 90% mental and 10% physical. And I like to have that mental edge because I don't have that physical edge, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, hey, Ty Mahako got on a workout re- regimen last year. Uh, by all people, uh, they gave him the advice was Charles Davis, which was kind of crazy, I thought. Is what mm. we found out yeah, here in a, an interview uh, last uh, year with Ty. But uh, I would not expect that to come from Charles Davis. <laughs> Apparently, he said <laughs> you're starting to look like one of those modified guys, so uh, you better change it up if you want to keep driving sprint cars, which I thought was hilarious. Well, Bobby Ream had a piece of advice to me. He said I was starting to look like a crew guy. <laughs> oh. I don't want to be a crew member. I want to be a racer. Well, some, it depends on who you're looking at. Some of the crew guys are in shape, so I don't know. No, I mean, I think some yeah. of them some of them are racers too. Yeah, if you're lucky to get a, a racer being a crew guy in an off weekend and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's if you're lucky. But yeah, man. So uh, it's so crazy that I hear the difference in opinions. I guess that drivers do have under yellow and red flags, which I thought was kind of crazy right there. Because a lot of these guys we talked to, are like, what do you think about the cars? Like, I just. Just sitting there thinking, you know, not really time to think because, you know, we're going so fast and you're like, oh, I'm trying to set this up, trying to set that up. It's just uh, really weird how, you know, different drivers uh, are, you know, kind of looking back. I'm, I like the history of the sport and everything like that. What kind of driver do you think like you kind of mimic inside the race car? Oh, that's kind of a tough one. Um, 
I know you mentioned history, so I, but this isn't necessarily historical, but I think I kind of mimic Kyle Bush the way that I have the drive. Like, I am willing to do what it takes to win. 100% I'm willing to do what it takes. Um, even if that means, you know, my best friend, my brother, whatever it might be, if we're going to have some words after the races, so be it. We can deal with it after the races as long as I win. Right. Um, uh, maybe a little bit of Jack Hewitt. I, I never really got to watch Jack Hewitt race, so I can't really compare myself to Jack Hewitt. I, I mean, we've all seen the audio clip. You're pretty much uh, on par with the audio. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. The only reason, see, they didn't have the rules in place like they do today about what you have to say on the microphone, so uh, or what you can and can't say to the public. We'll put it that way. When you're when you're signing, when you're paying your your dues at the beginning of the year. They make you uh, sign off this little waiver saying, you know, you can't say this and you can't say that on Facebook and you can't say this on the microphone. You can't. It's all the stuff that you can and can't say. Thanks to Robert Ballou. Really? They have uh, that now? <clears throat> yes. You have to. I think you click the little square because you do it online. You click the little square, and which is basically like signing off. Or it's like signing your name, putting your signature there. Um, but, yeah, there's like two or three boxes where you have to say like, oh, yeah, the the Facebook stuff, the social media, I'm sorry, not Facebook. I've mainly used Facebook, but yeah, it's, it's all social media stuff. You can't say this and you can't say that. And, you know, I can't make fun of Jason Rominger. Otherwise he can suspend me for however many races and cost me this much money or, or whatever it might be. So I kind of have to, I kind of have to be a little bit tight lipped. I know I'm not all that tight lipped, but, um, yeah, there, there's more that can come out, but I have to keep it toned down if I want to win a points championship. Oh, yeah. I mean, heck, I remember last year, you know, had a good top three run, and, you know, unfortunately for you, it was one of those deals where we couldn't interview, you know, the, the entire podium, and you were very vocal about it. Uh, Might have got a little bit caught up on the microphone there, but... <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, everybody says I like to talk on the microphone. It's not necessarily that I, li- that I like to talk. It's the... I think when you make a podium finish, you should be able to thank your sponsors. And, um, that's really the main reason why I like to get on the microphone. It's not, it's not for me. It's for the people who helped me out. Definitely. Um, which actually, uh, I, I wanted to pay a little tribute to, uh, Dave Thorpe. He's actually the reason why I have the motor that I have. I blew my motor up two years ago and I pretty much don't have a pot to piss in. <clears throat> and he was going to head out of town and he traded all sorts of stuff to the guy who built this motor. Um, and then in a couple hundred dollars exchange for, for the motor that I'm running now. And the, the guy's name is Rich. He did a, I mean, a tremendous job. I think the results show, um, but Dave Thorpe passed away yesterday and it was pretty, pretty saddening. Um, I, he, he never wanted his, his name on the side of the car. And I, Something that another sponsor of mine, uh, Rob Smith with Smith and Howard Transportation, had mentioned was maybe taking the Shipley off the visor and putting Thorpe. Right. Um, whether Dave would want that or not, I'm thinking about running Thorpe either for a race or maybe the rest of the season. I don't know yet. Um, but I just, I definitely, I mean, I'm definitely sad to see him go. And he was just such a huge part in my, I mean, the past two years, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be racing if it weren't for him. I mean, that was, I'd have a roller sitting in my garage with no engine in it. 
So um, I'm definitely sad to see him leave. And I mean, even aside from just the motor, he was always there to help. And if I was wrong, he would chew my ass and tell me, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you need to change the gear, you need to put this setup on it, do this, change the pills, do this, that. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, he was... He, he kind of gave me like that fatherly advice, kind of took me under his wing. And um, so, yeah, I'm just, it's definitely a bummer. And I've had a heavy heart past couple days, past day and a half. So, um, yeah, I just want to kind of pay a little tribute to him. Yeah, man, definitely. And uh, by all means, you have a microphone now. So if you got sponsors to thank, go ahead and thank them. Oh, I mean, I want to thank the racetrack. The racetrack is they've given me parts, loaned out parts, um, painted my helmet for me. Uh, Smith and Howard Transport, they give me money everywhere they can. If it's just a tire here, or, you know, a fuel pump there, or I'm going to send my Magneto off this week, and I think they're going to help out with that. Um, Doug, I want to thank uh, Chris with, uh, with Light Bulb Electric. Um, <clears throat> Maverick General Contractors, they've been on board for quite some time. Uh, Prudential Overall Supply, they've been a huge help. They... Um, they got my hats squared away this year that have been for sale for 20 bucks a 20 bucks a hat. Um, I mean, Dave Thor, Travis Cooley Cattle Company, Western Premier Hauling, that's Tanner Grau. And Tanner Grau, I mean, the so first or second race of the season, I watered up a front end, and before I even got the car loaded up, Tanner brought over a new axle for me. Um, I mean, Tanner has helped me out from, like, so much this year. He said, the trailer I can get. But, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you to all those people. They've been awesome to me. Yeah, definitely. And uh, appreciate you hopping on the uh, the podcast, man. Hey, man, it's pretty cool you guys had me on. Yeah, finally. Right? No, yeah, we've finally, been talking yeah, about it for a while. It <laughs> finally, we made it happen, man. All it needed was just uh, you to keep complaining about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. That or complain on the mic enough that I kind of... I kind of get enough attention, maybe. Hey, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Hey, there you go, my man. So uh, thank you for hopping on. Uh, definitely looking forward to uh, seeing your next, next race out at, uh, you know, our track and, of course, uh, all over Arizona. Yeah, man. I look forward to going, coming back to ET because that's that's where – that's my track, man. That's my track. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys very much for having me on. Missed the race this past weekend? No worries. You can catch up on all the door-banging slide job throwing action at gestaltproduction.com. Gestalt Production specializes in race videos, but is also looking to help your small business grow. For more information, visit gestaltproduction.com and subscribe to their YouTube page. So that was Kyle Shipley. I want to thank him for hopping on the Race with Jason podcast, uh, spending some time with us this afternoon. As I can't wait to get this show out for you, race fans. But uh, as you can hear, it's just me talking right now. Steve did have to go. Uh, sometimes life happens, and uh, we have some other things we got to go with but i did tease earlier on in the uh, first segment that uh looking at a br- having a brand new segment on the show uh, kind of a little deal that uh, came to mind from tamahako this past weekend we we're just kind of talking on the right rear of a sprint car down in tucson and uh kind of got the idea of maybe having uh, something called dirt track gripes and uh you know what that is i mean obviously you know not everything's perfect in the racing world and you know this is just kind of meant to be one of those funny type segments but uh if you have a dirt track gripe and uh you want to complain i'm gonna hopefully get a number set up next week where uh guys can call in leave a voicemail and uh you know whether it be racer fans or whatever uh you know type of dirt track gripes ty was kind of alluding to uh one of the texted me you know was uh gloves on and the victory 
lane picture or getting out of the car or cage stand, the gloves are the first thing that come off, you know, especially if the helmet and the other gear is off. So he's not a big fan of having gloves on there. Uh, so where are some of your, uh, so that'd be one of his dirt track gripes. So let me know what some of your dirt track gripes are. Uh, definitely going to look to have that, uh, up next week uh, before we do next week's show if not definitely the week after that so looking forward to uh getting that segment kind of see what all you race fans and everything comes up with i know i got a few uh, dirt track gripes myself so uh just something we can have some fun with and you know kind of poke and make fun of our own selves at it you know because we're all just a bunch of crazy race fans out here and racers you know in our own right kind of doing some uh, fun things out here but definitely want to thank kyle for hopping on uh do want to mention what we got coming up this weekend across the uh different races or across the uh, different racetracks here in the valley uh well not just the valley but also in arizona as a whole itself so we do have a central arizona speedway is going to be running this saturday may 4th they have uh, imca modifieds pure stocks bombers dwarf cars power 600 micros in action call it the uh, the Rock and Rumble this uh, May 4th. Then uh, Mojave Valley Raceway, they'll be running as well on this Saturday night. Uh, Going to start at uh, 7.30 over there. Uh, IMCA Modified, Street Stocks, Super Stocks, Mini Stocks, Mini Sports, and Dwarf Cars as well. And of course, we'll be at Arizona Speedway this week. Or I'll be at Arizona Speedway. Steve will probably be there as well as we get uh, ready for the 7th Annual Robert Horn Ford Night. Going to feature the SWD or Late Models, their first time uh, to the track in some time. They haven't been uh, racing with us since March 2nd, so about two-month uh, layover right there, but the late models will be back in action like the IMCA Sport Mods, the IMCA Stock Cars, the Mod Lights, and the Robert Horn Ford Bombers are going to get a double feature this weekend. Uh, since we missed it during the Leland McSpadden Memorial, hit the curfew, so they'll be getting a double feature this weekend. The lineup's already been set for the first feature, so uh, if you do plan on coming out as a, a bomber driver who wasn't out a few weeks ago, you will have to sit and wait until uh, you know your heat race is in the second feature cannot run the first feature as the lineup is already set for that one but we go green at 7:15, so we start getting into uh, the time frame here in may where the uh, push where the times get a little bit later so 7:15 this saturday night and as well as next saturday night and then we'll be 7 30 kind of closing out uh, the month of may and uh, so on so definitely look forward to seeing everybody out at arizona speedway this weekend or whatever racetrack you're at hope you guys have fun hope you enjoyed the show and enjoyed kyle shipley um Make sure you share this podcast page by liking Racing with Jason podcast. Share it with all your friends. Tell them go ahead and give a like too. We are on iPod, uh, Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify as well by searching Racing with Jason podcast. And of course, you can listen to us on Podbean.com. And uh, if you don't have any access to that, just go to racingwithjason.com and you can get all of the episodes loaded up right there on one screen. Uh, that's also a tie into the Gestalt Production website. So a lot of good stuff happening over there, Gestalt Production website. Uh, so make sure you check out all the race videos and whatnot and little pull-down tabs. And also subscribe to the Gestalt Production YouTube channel as uh, they do all the awesome video work at Arizona Speedway and USA Raceway and uh, starting to venture off to a few more tracks. So we'll kind of see how that goes uh, as the rest of the 2019 season uh, gets underway here. So I want to thank you once again for listening. God bless you. God bless the troops and God bless America.